You're listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. Good morning, I'm Catherine. I'm going to be reading our teaching text this morning from Isaiah 11, 6 through 9. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. How about that text reader, huh? That's my wife for those of you. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. We're going to talk about it, but not right now. Um, Real quick, one thing I have to do. Some of you, how many of you uh, have joined this community within the last year? Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, good to see you. So glad you're here. Um, Here's, yeah, let's give it up. Welcome. Uh, There's something, you know, this, this city's so transient and stuff, but where you're sitting in this community that you're a part of is really, um, it is the overflow, it is the legacy of some faithful believers uh, who have just salted the ground, who have, who, have, who have made this community, hopefully what you found, a place of hospitality, a place of belonging, uh, a people desperate for the spirit of God to come and sit upon them. And Two of those people are in the room, and and they're no longer in our city, and I just have to embarrass them slash give them praise. Uh, Allison Kaiser Thompson, you you can, like, wave. I'm not going to make you stand, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Those of you that just raised your hands, uh, say thank you to them. They have... uh, they have in so many ways been a cornerstone, an underpinning, a foundation for this community. Uh, and while they have, like, the Lord's called them to a, a new place, uh, we have gotten our chance to bless them. But anytime I can see them, I just want to bless them. So we just want to say thank you, guys. So glad you're here. You know, once you're family, you're always family. So glad to see you back. Okay. Um, let's dig in, yeah? I've been thinking this week uh, about this one of the Bible stories that most confounds me is the prodigal son. If you're unfamiliar, prodigal son is a story where a young man comes to his dad and essentially says, I can't wait for you to die. Um, so go ahead, let me just get my inheritance and I'll be on my way. So the father obliges and then the son promptly goes out and just blows the whole thing. And then at the end of the story, The son comes back, but he doesn't come back to like a vengeful, spiteful father. He comes back to a father who literally like almost runs out of his shoes 
to go embrace him. And it confounds me. Like, I just imagine that time while he is gone and the hurt that festered, the separation and what it did to that relationship. I have a three-year-old son and the other day, uh, unprovoked, I was minding my own business. Uh, he, walks, he walks in and he walks up to me and says, you know, you look and smell like a sugar doggy. Exactly. I don't know what a sugar doggy is, but I know that it was deeply offensive. And I immediately changed my will. Uh, I'm just like, why would you do this to me? If anyone knows what a sugar doggy is, please let me know. Um, but just a small slight can hit you. So I can imagine if he came to me and was like, old man, why aren't you dead yet? Give me my money. Let me get out of here. Have you ever been at odds with someone? Like separated from someone that was once close? I had this relationship, uh, a really great, strong friendship, and through a series of incidents that none of us were really at fault. It was just kind of the way things came together. We, ends up, we ended up on opposite sides of the situation and uh, it necessitated that we, our friendship end of, of sorts. So we spent four years. I mean, this is a person that was like, like wedding party level, like we're very close and now nothing. And there was no promise of ever there actually being something again, but uh, by God's good grace, some years later, uh, we were able to find each other again after time had healed some wounds, again, that neither of us had even caused. And yet, four years of separation stood between us. And that was really, really painful. Maybe you know something of it. But what about the situations where there, where there is violence between you, where there has been an offense done, where the boundaries were clear and someone definitely violated them, you or the other person. And there a separation occurs. I mean, it's so common. You've, you've been offended before. You've been hurt before. We all have. I mean, they say the only thing certain is death and taxes. I would add conflict and rent that's way too high. And it's really easy to fathom being broken apart because in our society now, we are living in one of the most divisive times in our history since the period where we literally killed each other in mass. But it's not just a culturally divisive time. We're also at this all-time high of inwardly conflicted times as well. Rates of self-harm, anxiety, depression. They're at historic levels. We are at war within ourselves. And what about the severed relationships that like you, you aren't even party to, but you're just a witness of? Maybe a good bit of us in our rooms, if I were to ask, would raise our hands because we know how well conflict spills over the levees of life. Like maybe you're carrying the shrapnel of divorce. The heartbreak of loving someone with addiction. 
you know that pain doesn't stay isolated, but it finds its way. Conflict, separation, these things find their way to hurt all of us. John 16.33, this is Jesus' last night as a free person for his death. And he assures his devoted that in this life, there will be trouble, he says. In this life, there will be trouble, which, great, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Included in that is all the things I just named and even more that I didn't. But Jesus keeps going. He says, in this world, there will be trouble, but fear not, because I've overcome the world. But what in the world does that mean? I've overcome the world. And Jesus declares this before he's even dying on a cross. So what has he done to end my crushing guilt for the secret things I've done? How does this enter the rift with my sister? That person I haven't spoken to in forever. And then for those of us who claim to be born again, we've been birthed of the spirit, baptized in new life. What do we make of our birthmark? By that, I mean this early in that same night, Jesus told his followers that their primary marker would be their display of love towards one another. And that word there, the, the word he uses for love, it, it's of the three Greek loves, he uses agape, which is a love typified by God towards man. It's an enduring love that welcomes a flagrant son back home. That's the kind of love we're marked by. And those words book in his first words at the start of his ministry in Matthew 5 where he's standing on this mountainside and Jesus says, blessed are those who make peace, who are peacemakers. Not just the one who don't cause trouble, but those who step into the inevitable impasses of this world and seek out restoration. Those people, they will be called children of God. Why? Because children carry innate characteristics of their father. If I'm a sugar doggy, he's a sugar doggy. <laughs> what I take from this is that we who are gathered here, we who have come together to know God and to become more in his image, it follows that we must devote ourselves to the peace of God. Let it becoming a defining attribute of our individual and collective character, right? So, over the next eight weeks, we're kicking off a year of focus on prayer and reconciliation with this teaching series called Lions and Lambs. And I want to just locate us as we start in this journey. Because we are situated currently between these two realities, Right? The first reality is what was and was lost. So Genesis 1, uh, 31, in the start of chapter 2, says this, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. A unified creation. Everything's in harmony. It's very interesting. There's almost even this, like, homogeneity 
that, that exists because you have this one tongue spoken by all the first peoples. They come from these, these first, you know, this man and woman, Adam and Eve. Uh, science tells us that at one time, even all the land masses of this world were unified. And then we get into Genesis 11, and that all breaks apart under greed and aspiration. And the world gets divided. Shalom is lost. If you remember, we've talked about shalom. In the Hebrew language, shalom means, literally means, a, a brick without blemish or a wall without defect. It's wholeness. It's strong. It's fortified. This is the image of peace, the peace of God. Everything is in good relationship. Until it's not. Genesis 3, evil enters the world through disobedience and through a desire to be more than they were. And everything gets thrown out of the way, right? So that's our first reality. This good world, broken. And then there's this coming reality. So Revelation 7 says this, Speaking of the time to come, to come, John writes, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Often we talk of, of reconciliation in all people. We kind of look at this picture. So we have this macro picture of reconciliation. We move from the homogeneity, these, these common language people in Genesis 1 and 2, to this heterogeneity that's found in the coming kingdom of God where everybody, as we say where I'm from, is around the throne of God just praising him. Amazing. Now, that's the macro view, but there's this, this, this micro view. That is our teaching text for today, which I'm going to read again. The wolf will live with the lamb. This is the Lord speaking. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and a young child will put his hand into the viper's nest. They always do. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The shalom has returned. And so between these two pictures, this, this unified world, this reconciled world, there's our world where all this is lurching towards what is coming and will be. And so here for us, I would argue that we are bearing out this picture of Isaiah 11 in our bodies. We are bearing this out in our relationships. There's so many things that we're gonna go through over the next eight weeks but what it means to be a lion and a lamb. To think about the picture 
of a lion learning to eat straw. Maybe you've been the, prey, been the predator in some relationships and in some conflict. And what it looks like for a predator to learn new forms of sustenance. I no longer need to denigrate you to have my identity secured because I have found a secured identity in the one who loves me. I no longer need to be angry towards my children and my wife because I'm so lost in my sense of self. I don't have to be that way because he has found me and located me and given me a purpose. And then you have this infant, this idea of an infant in the cobra skin, this, this boldness of youth. My son, I'm like, he would definitely put his hand in a viper's nest. But in this passage, that would be okay. That boldness would not be met with harm. It would be met with love. Maybe you've been a lamb. And you've been preyed upon, and those you loved have been preyed upon, you've been devoured a couple of times, and you've lost the boldness and the ability to be around those who've caused you harm. And maybe not even those people, but all people, right? Your boldness has been robbed. And so what does it mean to be reconciled, to be made whole? I would argue that the reconciliation that Jesus offers is not just about our relationship. It's not just about me being able to say, hey, we're, we're, we're brothers again, we're sisters again. I would argue that that wholeness, that reconciliation is also for ourselves, to ourselves, regardless of whether that person ever brings uh, apology or, or reparations, I have to be able to find wholeness in the Lord. So this is what we're going to be studying over the next few weeks. I'm going to give you a definition of reconciliation. When we talk about reconciliation, what we talk about is a forward movement toward the former harmonious relationships of all creation. Let me read that part again. A forward movement toward the former harmonious relationships of all creation. We're going forward into what was once was. And reconciliation, I would say, is the work of the Father, established in the Son, administered by the Spirit. It is the work of God. The work of the Father. So John 17, Jesus is praying what we call the high priestly prayer. It's near the end of his ministry. And he's coming to uh, his, his followers. And he says this as he's praying before them. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you have granted him authority over all people. That he may give eternal life to all those you have given him. Then a little later he says... I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So Jesus says, this work, my work, is your work, Father. That's, that's whose work I've been taking up. I have, I have finished your work. 
But what is this work? Well, we go to Colossians 1. Verse 15 and 23, Paul writes this. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. That's that Genesis 2 picture. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him. And listen to this, verse 20, Colossians 1. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So we have that Genesis 2, all things are created in Jesus. We have Revelation 7, in him all things have passed through death and come to the newness of life, whether in heaven or on earth. And this happens by his work on the cross. Reconciliation is the work of the Father. It's established in the Son, but it is also administered by the Holy Spirit. Very truly, I tell you, John 16, verses 13 through 14, very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will do what? He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. This is the work of God. We're going to spend the next year going through prayer and reconciliation. And this is not just on the terms of race, so that will be a part of it. But we're really going to be asking the question, in the places where distance stands... In the places where conflict dwells, how do we enter and become peacemakers, the children of God? How in our hearts can we be reconciled and made whole as individuals so that we can move into a collective wholeness? Oftentimes in churches, we talk a lot about changing the world, right? It sounds like a Facebook all-hands meeting. Uh, we're, just, we're here to change the world and we're going to make it better by this plan. And if you will just give $5 more, it's just a cup of coffee. We will change the world. You would have thought the world would have been changed by now. Uh, the world is changing. It will change. Uh, my ambitions are not that bold. My ambitions is that what would it look like if for us in this room to be whole from the places that are broken in us? And what would it look like for the relationships that are fractured, even in this space? And maybe it's interpersonal conflict that exists, or maybe it's even the brokenness that you have towards church, this institution. What would it look like if God had something to say about it? Jesus had something to say about the brokenness you've endured and experienced. What if he really wanted to bring you a peace which surpasses all understanding that would guard your heart and your mind?
What would happen if a group of people got reconciled? I don't know. But I'd like to find out. But I'd like to just take these first steps forward. I think that's where the Lord is leading us as a community. That we would become reconciling people. That we would then learn the lessons of what it means to be peacemakers. Because if we can't do it here, we definitely can't do it out there. So that's why we're kind of seated like this. We're trying to seed what it looks like to remind ourselves that you haven't just come to watch something. But you've come to be a part of some people. That you've got to like awkwardly look across. <laughs> It's like so weird. It's just like, ah, oh, he's talking and I'm looking at you. <laughs> it's awkward, but what if it becomes less awkward? What if we're able to bridge the gaps of conflict? So it's going to be weird, a little weird. We're going to figure it out. And maybe this will stay beyond this series. We don't know. Uh, but I'm excited for us, uh, if you're in, if you're in, this will be a communal effort. There's going to be a lot of spaces coming up where we will practice and we will hold space for one another and we will seek the healing of Jesus because this is ultimately his work and he is leading us into it. We have our teaching text, Isaiah 11. In Isaiah 65, this word is kind of brought back. And Isaiah 65, uh, verses 2 through 4, it uses this, the, the language of the lion laying down with the, she, uh, the wolf laying down with the sheep and the lion learns to eat hay. But there's this beautiful part in verse 2 where it says this. God says, before they call, I will answer. And while they're still talking, I will listen. Before they call, I will answer. Meaning, that what we are walking into, the Lord has already made a way for. He has made a way for us to become a reconciled people. He is leading us into that if we allow it. But it will be hard. And so we'll need to talk to him. That's where the prayer comes in. We will need to talk to him. But the beautiful thing about it is that we won't meet rejection and we won't meet uh, annoyance, but we will meet enduring patience and interest. He will hear our cries when it's like, I just really don't like her. That's fine. Love her anyway. You with me? Does this sound good? I mean, it doesn't matter. We're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> But it'll be a lot better if you're in on it. <laughs> Let's give it a shot. Lions and lambs. The truth is we are all lions and lambs. Sometimes in the same moment. So I think the Lord has something to say about that condition. I think he wants to lead us into that view of his coming kingdom. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to move to the table. This is... 
if you notice, all these layers, metaphors, love them. Uh, we're sitting here, and in the center of all of this is the Lord's table. Because it is his reconciling work, as Colossians 1 tells us, his work on the cross that makes any and all of this possible. I'm going to have you stand. Here's how this is going to work. We're going to give this a try. So we're going to have three people, one on the sides, one in the front, administering our elements so they can come on over. Come on, host. Uh, this side, you'll go to this side, and you guys will go to this side, and everyone in the middle, you will make your way. There is a gluten-free option. It's real out here. Uh, so we're just going to make our way through the table so you can just come and make a sign, and then one of these sides will come, we'll, we'll add more servers. The band's going to come up too and prepare to lead us in our worship. But man, friends, this, nothing epitomizes the work of reconciliation more than what we're about to embark upon. And this is why we do it. On the night that Jesus died, he took this bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you because to be reconciled, yeah, it, things are gonna get broken before they get better. Somebody's got to pay the price, and so I'll pay it. And so he offered up his body. And he said, do this often in remembrance of me. And then he took this cup, and he said, this, this is my blood. My blood, the new covenant, shed for you. Because if we're going to be reconciled, it's going to get messy. We're going to have to bleed. I'll go first. He says, when you take this, yeah, take it in remembrance of me. And I love that Jesus did this in simple elements because he reminds us, we try to make this sound like it's really hard, but it's as simple as bread and wine. But it is layered. But it is simple, but it's really hard, simple things. And so he says, often come to this table and be reminded that I've done it first. I've reconciled you to me. I have reconciled y'all to me. I've reconciled all things to me. And so when you lose patience and you lose hope, come. So that is what we're going to do. I'm going to say a blessing and then I'm going to have you come forward. And I'm just going to ask you that as you receive the elements and as that pronouncement is made over you, the body and blood of Christ given for you, I just pray that you would just let those words wash over you. The ramifications of it meet you where you are.
and that you would just prepare your hearts for this journey. Because he has prepared us through this meal. So thank you, Father, for the ways in which you are guiding us into being the reconciling people that reflect your character. We receive this bread and this wine equivalent. May it encourage us and nourish us for our journey. The gifts of God for the people of God. Come and feast, friends.